Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. What do you do when you want a fire? To like cook your food or light your scented candles? Or you know because it's seventh month, it's hungry ghost month? To burn your hell notes or your joysticks. You'll get a, a lighter, right? Or matches. Or if you're in prison, you can make a prison lighter with chewing gum wrappers and batteries. Can you imagine not having access to this? Not having access to a fire? Hi. I'm Teddy and welcome to A Briefcase. Today, we're looking at the North Sentinel Islanders, one of the last uncontacted people in the world today. North Sentinel Island is an extremely small island in the Bay of Bengal in India. And officially it's under the Indian government, but technically I guess the people living there kind of govern themselves. Now when I say it's an extremely small island, I mean extremely small. It's about 59 square kilometers, and to put that into perspective, Singapore is 728 square kilometers. So it's about 12 times smaller than Singapore. Now most of the island is covered by a forest. So you can't just see the village or tribe or whatever. And there is a beach, a seashore about 45 meters wide. Now the island is surrounded by corals with turtles, sharks, fish, shellfish. And this island is part of a cluster of islands known as the Andaman Islands. It's also home to the Sentinelese. And now because the Sentinelese, they are an uncontacted people, there isn't a lot of information, right? It isn't like someone is going around taking a census, who does what, how many people are in your home. And even the range is very big. So some of the estimates, at at one point they were as low as like, there's 15 people living on this island, that's it. And some estimates, especially since the island is covered, is as high as 500. Now, in general, the Sentinelese, they are a pretty short people. And it's reported that the average height is anywhere between 160 to 165 cm. So that's like 5'3 to 5'5 if you use inches 
And so this could be caused by something called insular dwarfism, when a population gets really short, really small because the environment that they're in is small. Or then it could be other things like it's genetic or nutrition. I mean, there isn't really a lot of like choice in the island. So apparently, the Sentinelese as a people, they also have really great teeth, like well-aligned teeth, which is good because I think that there's no dentist in North Sentinel Island. Other perks of island living, there's no obesity, nobody gets really very fat because, you know, there's no fast food and it's kind of a bit late to get any food. It's said that they have well-defined muscles and really dark, shiny skin, everything that makes sense when you live on an island. Now, as a tribe, they are hunter-gatherers and they eat mud crabs, molas, like clams. It's speculated that they probably also eat sea turtles, which, you know, like, you'll be like, oh, okay, I get it. And what's interesting is that they don't really know how to make fire. Like, I assume that they cook because it's implied based on how they prepare food, right? So they have fire, but only like fire from lightning lightning strikes or if somebody gives them fire, which they continuously maintain. So they can't really let their fire go out until the next lightning strike or if it does, then they, they just have to wait for it. Now, this, this actually makes sense when you think about it because, and you're like, Teddy, we all know how to make fire, which begs the question, how did you learn how to make fire in school or in camp or by watching Nat Geo or listening to this podcast? It's thought, right? Somebody had to teach you how to make a fire with like a magnifying glass or like by rubbing two sticks. Yeah, but if let's say before all this, somebody threw you out on an island and I was like, well, good luck, kid. I, I think I wouldn't be able to figure out how to make a fire. Now, a couple of things that they have figured out though. So they have figured out housing. They live in temporary huts. So basically four sticks and a leaf roof. And as a culture, as a community, they don't really do clothes. They do have a bark string. And I'm assuming that this is some kind of string that they tie around their waist to carry stuff around. It's known that they tuck their daggers into the string. Other than that, not really much else. They have necklaces and headbands but you know otherwise naked the sentinelese they also have canoes but they use it mostly for fishing and they don't really leave their island and they don't really go on to other islands and they have there are other tribes around them that know of them but those other tribes also know well enough not to go near them they also know about metal. They've used like metal scraps to create tools and weapons, but they don't really like mine metal. And if you're like an anthropologist or some sort of government worker, they, they usually accept gifts of coconuts and like metal pots. And I thought that this was very interesting and very cute. They also dance. Okay, now these people, these Sentinelese, they are part of the six native peoples of the Adaman and Nicobar Islands. So there's the Jarawas, the Onjes, the Shopban, the Nicobaris, and the great Andamanese. Alright, and the other tribes, they're pretty okay with contact with the modern world, but like, not the Sentinelese. So generally, anyone anyone who goes near or even has the audacity to land on the island, generally it's not a good idea, you'll probably get attacked and, you know, killed. 
Now the island itself, right, is within a tribal reserve and it's a prohibited travel zone. So you aren't allowed within 5km of the island. And there's like a coast guard, armed guards protecting this area. And other than very specific researchers or like a government workers, and, and again, you still have to spend years applying to be part of this. You probably have to have like a PhD in anthropology to do this. Nobody else is really allowed in that area. And the thing is, there's probably a really good reason for this. Why random people aren't allowed onto the island. Because the thing is that the, Sentin- the Sentinelese, they've never had any contact with the outside world, right? And so they haven't built up any sort of immunity out of their little island. They've never been exposed to the common cold. They've never been exposed to chickenpox, smallpox. So the first recorded mention of the Sentinelese is in 1771, so like 300-ish, 400 years ago, by the East India Company. And the first official visit there was in 1867 by a colonial officer. And then in 1880, there was an attempt to establish contact by another colonial officer, Maurice Vidal Portman. And at the time, they went to the island to look for the Sentinelese because they were like, okay, we know there's people living there, right? But they couldn't find anyone. It was like a whole expedition. They had armed Europeans, they had convict orderlies, they had the locals working as trackers from other islands. And so they managed to catch six people catch these people were avoiding them they managed to catch six people an elderly man an elderly woman and four children and then they bring them back to Port Blair which is um, the main port of the islands and like we mentioned they have no immunity so the elderly man and the elderly woman fall sick and they die and the children fall sick and instead of taking care of the sick children they send them back with gifts right they send the sick children back to the community with no immunity and some people theorize this is why they don't like outsiders because very possibly speculatively the sick children might have spread their illnesses and this might have affected them harming a large number of the islanders anyway long story short during the colonial period anyone who ended up near there or on the island chances are you're probably not gonna survive moving on the island is declared a tribal reserve in 1956 and in 1967, we meet a very important man, T.N. Pandit. He is an Indian anthropologist. Now, Mr. Pandit here, he and the whole expedition, they get on the island with another search party, but they fail to establish contact. So they leave some presents, they leave some gifts, and then they get off the island. And now the government and the researchers, they're looking at the island with a lot of concern because if them as a government, they don't take take control of the island, it's possible that people, outlaws, mercenaries, poachers, whatever, they come to the island, kill all the islanders, exploit the forest, and exploit the corals. So in 1970, they get on the island, they find a nice empty spot, and they schlep a stone tablet there, and the stone tablet was like, yes, this island, Sentinelese, North Sentinel Island, is now part of India. Now, T.N. Pandit, he establishes himself as the expert advisor of the island, and rightfully so, because First thing, he has a good grasp of how to get there and he has a good grasp of how to not get killed. Very important. All right. And around that time in 1974, when Nat Geo was all wild and stuff, a Nat Geo film crew, including him, they land on the island to make a documentary called Man in Search of Man. 
But the moment that the boat made it across the barrier reefs, the Sentinelese, they came across it, they came out with arrows from the forest and they started shooting. And this makes me also think that maybe they have some sort of like informal security force, some like armor guard people watching the beach. And now this is a very good warning. I mean, anyone with a bit of common sense would be like, all right, let's not go to the island. But no. They still make it to the beach and they leave a small plastic car, I think it's like a toy car, a live pig, coconuts, a doll and some aluminium cookware right? because they like metal. And the sentinelese, they're just not impressed, you know, they're like, whatever. So they shoot some more arrows and one of them actually hits the director of this expedition, the director of this documentary on the Thai. And the guy who shot the director, he laughs and then he goes back into the forest. So they also kill and bury the pig, which I think is a bit wasted because, you know, you could be eating bacon. They also bury the doll, but they did take the coconuts and the cookware. So I guess they like bots. And you know what? From this expedition, they, they got their first ever photo of the North Sentinelese Islanders and it was published in NetGeo. So while they didn't get a full documentary, they did get kind of part of what they wanted. So there's a couple more expeditions that are led by, as you guessed it, T and Pandit. Some are good, some are not. Uh, sometimes they waved, sometimes they got into this posture, like it, it was basically them taking a shit, you know, like the posture of taking a shit. And that was a very clear sign of, you are not welcome, do not come on this island. And sometimes the guys, the islanders, the men, they will sway their penises, but nobody ever figured out what they meant, what that really meant. And the thing is that nobody, nobody at all, because the Sentinelese refused to speak with them, to communicate with them, nobody could figure out their language. From 1991 onwards, they start having reasonably peaceful expeditions. And on 4th January 1991, it is the first time ever that the Sentinelese, they meet the expedition without weapons, which is a massive breakthrough. So there's more expeditions all the way until 1994. They even tried to plant more coconut trees on the islands to help the Sentinelese, you know, agriculture. But one thing you have to, you have to really think about is how this was only with T and Pandit's team. And so if let's say I'm the government and I'm like, hey, TN Pandit, do you want to go on? And he's like, no, I got stuff on. So they'll try to send another team, right? And if the Sentinelese saw that another team was coming, they were like, no, 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 we are not going to hang and they'll come out with their weapons. So this is why, um, this is one of the reasons why a lot of people theorize that the expedition stopped because Without this specific theme, the contact really wasn't going anywhere, which is incredibly inefficient, right? And another thing is that the government was worried, the Indian government was worried, if people think that the islanders weren't dangerous, what if a bunch of untrained researchers, anthropologists, a very excited undergrad comes to the island thinking that, oh, you know what, this is safe, and spreads their diseases to the Sentinelese, right? Because up to this point, if you were going to be part of the Pandit or any other government expedition, you'd be screened and you'd be quarantined for like a month or something before you went. Even without the expedition, life goes on. And in April 2003, there was one expedition where they gave them a canoe. 
But in 2004, remember what happened in 2004? There was a tsunami, and tsunamis are caused by earthquakes on the sea floor. And because they're on a tiny island, this actually made the island bigger because the tectonic changes caused the earthquake to merge with some of the smaller islands and raised the seafloor by a meter and a half. Are you tired of true crime? Do you want a happy ending for a change? There's this new podcast that I've been listening to. It's called How I Met You, an Asian podcast about love. And every Monday, they release episodes where couples share how they meet, their biggest arguments, and their less than perfect proposals, just like this snippet. So in the car, T minus 30 minutes to proposal, she said, Hey, um, I don't feel very comfortable if you propose to me. And I was like, okay, I'm driving. I need to take my phone and tell my friends to cancel the operation because like how she's going to say no. (laughs) We were at my poolside one day and then we were just chit-chatting. And then that night was when he kind of said, Jean, (laughs) do you want to give it a try? I I actually said no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, wait, so so yeah, so, so to, to, to let me to let me um, um, If you want to check them out, link to their podcast is in the description. Well, so so now the government's like, oh no, I want I wonder if they're okay. So the Indian government they send a couple of helicopters to check on them. And the helicopters find 32 sentinelese, but like these are just the ones they can see, you know, because the island is covered in forest. They don't find any bodies and, you know, as expected, they are attacked, which is kind of like if you're a helicopter pilot, you're like, all right, glad you're alive. Stop throwing spears at me. Also, what is interesting is that after the 2004 tsunami, the expeditions were supposedly pretty chill like sometimes they wouldn't come with weapons even which is great and now at this point of time everybody knows not to fuck with north sentinel islanders you know and if you want to go there you better have a damn good reason like you're a phd grad you're a professor or you're part of the government who has been sent there by the government you have to get your permits you have to get all your ducks in a row And if you have the audacity and the bad judgment to go there illegally, there's so many barriers. You need to go through the Indian government's armed boats and you know you're probably going to get attacked. And even knowing all these things, there were a couple of people who went illegally and they died. The first was on 27th January 2006. So two Indian fishermen, they were trying to illegally harvest crabs off the island. So at first they weren't exactly on the island and it's speculated sometime at night their anchor failed, their boat anchor. So this is the first issue. And so while they're drifting in the ocean, other fishermen are in the area and they're calling out to them like, bro, bro, you're in the danger zone. I mean, they're already illegally in that 5km per meter but like now they are even more dangerously close to the island and so the boats drift into the shadows and the sentinelese they come out with axes and they kill the fishermen and according to reports they take the bodies they put it on bamboo stakes facing the ocean like scarecrows and a little while later they buried the bodies 
Alright, so the Indian Coast Guard, they sent a helicopter to try to get the bodies back, but they were attacked, so they technically couldn't. And now, at this point of time, it was still pretty controversial, and everybody was like, should this community be blamed? Should they take responsible for what is essentially, you know, an attack, a murder, a killing? And some people think that the reason they were so hostile is because the gift-giving expeditions all the way from 2004 and in the 90s, it suddenly stopped without any reason on the Sentinelese part. And this was the first case in recent times. Now the second, the second is a lot more notorious, it's a lot more infamous, is the killing of John Allen Zhao. Now I think we can probably agree that John was a good kid. He was a good kid with good intentions, right? John was born on 18th December 1991 and he was the third and youngest child of Linda and Patrick Chow. And Patrick Chow, he was actually a Chinese-American psychiatrist who left China during the Cultural Revolution, which is a whole other thing that I really want to cover at some point. Now, John was a very religious boy. He admired explorers, missionaries, and he graduated with a degree in exercise science from Oral Roberts University. And this is a private evangelical university in Oklahoma, so you can kind of tell what kind of person he is to have gone to this university. Now, he really wanted to be a missionary. He went on trips to Mexico, to South Africa, to Iraq, Kurdistan. And in 2017, he joins a boot camp missionary thing. And this was by a Kansas City organization called All Nations. And I don't want to be too judgy, but I'm already a bit like, you have a boot camp to convert people. Mm, all right. And 2017 was also the year that he was, yes, yes, I'm going to convert these people. And to him, he considered North Sentinel Island Satan's last stronghold on Earth, which is a bit like, mm, I, I can think of a couple of other places which are a little bit more, you know, Satan-y. And you know, in this camp, they even had training grounds. And you're a bit like, oh, Teddy, you're being so judgy. No, listen to this. This, this training grounds, they had a fake village fake aggressive people holding spears and he had to navigate through it and I don't know how they justified it but it just doesn't look good you know but here's the thing this this whole thing this whole training is fake you know it's fake there's no real danger and I hate to say this but I think that going through this boot camp this quote-unquote boot camp might have given him a false sense of confidence so right and October 2018, John travels to Port Blair and he puts together this kit, picture cards, gifts, medical equipment. And you're like, how did he even get there, right? But the thing is that the other Andaman and Nicobar Islands, they wanted to restrict it. The same year, a couple of months earlier, the Indian government, they actually lifted the restricted area permit to try to get some tourism going because I guess untouched islands will probably be very pretty. But North Sentinel Island specifically, it was still restricted. And the thing is that John doesn't even try to get a permit. No, no, no. And I don't know if it's because he didn't know he had to get a permit or he suspected that his application wouldn't be approved because if I was the government, I would be like, you want to go there to do what? 
And I feel like he had good intentions because he got himself vaccinated, he quarantined himself, he took medical and linguistic training, and about a month later, after he first arrives in the Andaman Islands, he goes on his first expedition on 15th November 2018. So he bribes two fishermen about 335 American dollars to get him on the island. Remember, 5km around the island is already legal, okay? And the boat brings him about 500 meters away from shore and he canoes over with his waterproof Bible. So he tries to communicate with the islanders, right? But sir, even anthropologists, experts cannot figure the language, okay? And the islanders tried to attack him and he retreats but he doesn't give up so he goes on another visit the next visit he tries to sing worship songs and he tries to speak to them with in in something called zosa which is an african language which is a bit like okay i mean yeah but you're on different sides of the world and they're they're just confused and quiet and they also laugh at him a lot he tries to give them fish, he tries to give them more gifts, one of them shot an arrow at him, it pierced the bible that he was holding in front of his chest, which depending on who you are is a good sign or not, you know, it's a sign to leave. But he remains determined, okay? So on November 17th, he goes to the island and this time he tells the fisherman, he's like, you know what, leave without me, I'm gonna do this. And the fisherman... I think they knew what's up because I think that they stayed because they saw the islanders drag his body and the day after, I think they returned to the same area to maybe check on him and they saw his body on shore. And now we know a lot of this because he had a diary which the fisherman gave to John's friend in Port Blair. And his friend, of course, he had a friend in Port Blair, informs his family and the American consulate. And again, they try to get the body back, but the Sentinelese, they are hostile. And this was a controversial time because some people thought that John, he could have introduced illnesses, he could have introduced disease pathogens to the people. And some people blamed all nations, the missionary bootcamp that he went to, uh, because they described him as a martyr, which is like, no, you shouldn't be promoting this kind of illegal behavior in the name of missionary work. And John said even blamed the missionary community for pushing this kind of extreme Christian vision on him. And all in all, it was just very unfortunate. I think that the fishermen were arrested, and in total, he made a bunch of trips, so there were seven of them. But like we said, the Sentinelese, they were never convicted because technically, I don't know, technically they didn't do anything wrong. They were just living their lives and it's not like it's not like he didn't know that they were a dangerous people and island to go to. And this is also a little bit of a weird one because you know how in America they have like castle laws where you can use reasonable force to protect themselves, but you know, not in Singapore. What if it's like they're on the island and to them it's their island and they can't really communicate and nobody actually ever told them that it was illegal to kill trespassers, you know, to them because they technically govern themselves is their right. And what if it's just their way? You know, I just think it's a very unfortunate circumstance. What do you think? If you like this case, share it with your friends. Give us a 5-star rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen. It really helps the show and it makes me hella happy. 
As always, you can drop me a DM on Instagram at a briefcase podcast. And as always, find me online at a briefcasepodcast.com. And do join us next week for another briefcase. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.